Greetings in the name of Jesus. This is Rob Hames. This program is called 15 Minutes with Jesus. I want to bless you in the name of Jesus, all you who are listening. I thank God for you. All of you that are reading this message in your own language around the world, God bless you. Thank God for you. Today we're going to talk about foundation repair. I'm somewhat qualified to do so as I've been in construction since the 1970s, just recently retired by the grace of God. And here in Texas, there are many houses that are built on faulty foundations. If you have a bad foundation, it creates problems for the house. We have the same problem in the body of Christ. There is a great need for foundation repair in the body of Christ. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10. The Apostle Paul said, According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. Here in Hebrews chapter 6, in these first couple of verses, the Apostle Paul describes the foundation. How is your foundation? What is your foundation? Is it Jesus Christ and Him crucified and all that He provided us in the gospel? We must partake of all the true foundation in order to be truly established in Christ and to bring forth fruit in Him. The first part of the foundation is repentance. If you look in the book of Jonah, I don't have time to go there, but you read about how Jonah preached to the city of Nineveh, and the whole city, from the king unto the poorest person, turned from their sin in true repentance, and they humbled themselves with fasting. They put on sackcloth, and they sat in ashes, and they cried out to God in true repentance, turning from their sin. True repentance produces true change. There's a real change. There's a real turning. It starts, the Bible says, godly sorrow worketh repentance. And so it starts with godly sorrow, the Holy Spirit convincing a person of their sin, and then godly sorrow regarding that sin. Godly sorrow works repentance. So it starts with godly sorrow. Repentance is not just the changing of the mind, as some would say, as many men teach. Definitely there is a change in your mind, but it starts with godly sorrow in the heart being truly sorry for your sin. Let's go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 36. This was immediately following the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and the Apostle Peter preached a message, and at the end he said, in verse 36, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Verse 37, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent 
and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Next, we're going to talk about faith toward God. Let's go to Romans 4, verse 1. What shall we say then that Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Let's go to verse 13. For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made of none effect. And we go down to verse 20. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able also to perform, and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone that was imputed to him, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We believe in the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the gift of God, the gift of righteousness through faith. If we believe that Jesus bore our sins in his body on the cross and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day, that is imputed to us for righteousness. It's the gift of righteousness. Our sins are washed away through his sacrifice. By faith in his shed blood, we are righteous. Our sins are cleansed by his blood, white as snow. The Bible says, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. All of this starts with repentance and then faith. Faith toward God. Faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. The next thing is the doctrine of baptisms. Let's go to Romans 6. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Verse 16. Know you not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death, or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. Then we have the second baptism, which is the baptism in the Holy Ghost. As Peter said in the verse we read in Acts chapter 2, Repent and be baptized, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So after water baptism, in some cases even preceding water baptism, 
But the third part of the foundation is actually the second part of the third part is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Jesus told the apostles in Acts chapter 1, But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And then in verse 5 he said, John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And notice in verse 8 he talked about the Holy Ghost coming upon you. So the baptism in the Holy Ghost is not the same as the baptism in water. Many of you understand that, but many people do not understand that. They believe that they received the Holy Ghost when they were baptized in water. If we look in Romans 7, uh, let's look at verse 4. Wherefore, my brethren, you also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that you should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. Verse 5, For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sins which were by the law did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. But now we are delivered from the law, that being dead wherein we were held, that we should serve in newness of spirit, and not in the oldness of the letter. Now we serve in the newness of the Spirit, and not in the oldness of the letter. That's why we need to receive the Holy Spirit, so we can learn to walk in the Holy Spirit. The Bible says they that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. So part of the foundation is being baptized in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit coming upon you, being filled with the Holy Spirit, then learning to yield to the Holy Spirit. The first thing you yield to the Holy Spirit is your tongue, to speak in tongues and prophesy. If you look through the New Testament in the book of Acts, every time people received the Holy Spirit, they spoke in tongues or they prophesied. We need to learn to yield to the Holy Spirit and then to be led by the Holy Spirit. As you read through Romans 7, let's go to verse 18. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing, for to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. Remember in verse 5 of chapter 7, Paul wrote, for when we were in the flesh, the motions of sins which were by the law did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. So Romans 7 is talking about in the flesh. Verse 18, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh. So Romans 7 is talking about a man in the flesh. But then verse 1 of chapter 8, There is therefore now no condemnation, to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God, sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, 
condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Verse 8, So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Verse 13, For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit do put to death the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. In the church for many years, many false doctrines have been given by Satan and taught by false prophets and teachers to convince Christians not to receive the Holy Spirit, yet believe that they have, and to live under some kind of law, never overcoming sin, thus preparing them to receive false grace, false justification, turning the grace of God in some cases into lasciviousness. All is covered, once saved, always saved, all your sins are already forgiven, past, present, and future, not confessing their sins, never learning to walk in the Holy Spirit, to be led by the Spirit. As it says in verse 4 of Romans 8, the righteousness of the law is only fulfilled in those who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Romans 7, 4. Wherefore, my brethren, you also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that you should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. Jesus rose from the dead by the power of the Holy Ghost. And as we are married to him, as we receive the Holy Ghost and walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, we will bring forth fruit unto God. You cannot do that without the Holy Ghost. You cannot just say you have the Holy Ghost if you don't have the Holy Ghost. That won't work. You have to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. The only way to overcome the flesh and sin is to receive all that God has given us, the atonement for our past sins through faith in Jesus' sacrifice, but also faith in his resurrection. He lives by the power of God. He was raised by the power of the Holy Spirit. We are baptized into his death and resurrection to live by the power of God, to walk in the Holy Ghost and not fulfill the lust of the flesh, but to fulfill the righteousness of the law by the love of God shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. The key to all this is the love of God. Romans 5.8, shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. If we love God, we will seek after righteousness with all our heart, and He will fill us. We will yield ourselves to Him and to His Spirit to walk in the Spirit. Romans 8.31, what shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things?